very good morning to you. I'd like to grab your donut, grab a seat, grab a Bible. We'll get cracking. My name's Neil, I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Together we lead this church. If you're new or visiting, you're very, very welcome. Uh, as we're going, looking at the scriptures together, the baskets will come around, these white things. If you're new or visiting, just ignore them, just pass them on. Uh, this is for our offering. Uh, all the money that goes into the offering baskets is going to support our partners internationally and international mission. Uh, things like uh, the Yangon Vineyard and Eden Ministries who are combating trafficking, sex trafficking in uh, Myanmar, uh, another organization in Nepal. So um, that's what that's for. But if you're new or visiting, just ignore that. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to James chapter 1. We've been doing a series over the last couple of weeks on the book of James. It's, it's really an opportunity for us to soak ourselves in the scriptures very intentionally as a church. It's, uh, it's also a, a bit of a big up James, let's get James back on the map campaign. And throughout, the, throughout this series, one of the things that we've been saying to one another as a church is uh, we want to be reading the whole of James every day. How's that, how's that going? Is anyone actually reading the whole of, has anyone actually read the whole of James, like, ever? Okay. That's, has anyone, like, been reading it every day? Has anyone, has anyone, what? Ever and every day. Is there a halfway? No. <laughs> um, what we're saying, what we're trying to encourage us all to do is to find a, a quiet corner, somewhere, invite the Spirit of God to come, and as Jesus has promised that he would, the Spirit of God comes, and we uh, invite him and we allow him to, um, to convict us and to lead us into all truth. And if you've been doing this at all, uh, as I, I have been, you will have heard the Spirit of God leading you. I certainly have heard the Spirit of God leading me and guiding me and um, uh, convicting me and challenging uh, me. Um, it's great um, in lots of ways. <laughs> and it's, it's that challenge, really, of, of taking a look at how, how we're living. How am I doing life? And how, how does how I'm doing life match up and, 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 and correspond with kind of what's in here? You know, this is our yardstick. This is our gold standard. This is our plumb line. This is our... We were singing about it, you know? Um, and as we said last week, it's not always an entirely comfortable process. But it is a glorious process and one that we need to be pressing into with all of our hearts. And so can I encourage you, can I entreat you, if you've missed the last few days, if you haven't quite got round to reading James yet, can I urge us all to be reading James? Um, and you'll be amazed. You will be amazed at what incredible blessing, what an incredible grace the Lord has for us all in and through his word. Uh, someone, I don't know who it was, but someone once said, sometimes it feels as if the things I really want to do are immoral or illegal or fattening. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it could be true of me. Uh, James is, is, is like a book about that kind of stuff. 
James is really a book about real Christianity. Like, what is real Christianity? What is our faith all about? You know, is it really about uh, pitching up here on a Sunday or um, going to house group every week or serving on a rotor or giving your money? All of those things are really important. But is that really what it's about? Or, or is it more, does it have more to do with like um, a faith that results in a, like a, a struggle, a moral struggle and challenge? You know, having a faith that um, involves us uh, present and actively and decisively engaged with, um, in a struggle with our stuff. Um, you know, what's going on in our hearts? How are we doing life so that we're engaging with what's going on in our hearts? How are we actually sort of living in a present way with the things that are going on in our heads and our minds and our thoughts? You know, how are we actually engaging with our faith in terms of the things that we do with our hands and our time and our energy, all kinds of things? And James is pretty clear that actually um, all those former things, you know, like pitching up here on a Sunday and going to house group and all those things, they're really important, but actually he, he's of the opinion, he's of the mind that real Christianity, real faith, real religion uh, is all about the battle that we're in, the battle that we're facing against the devastating effect that all of our stuff, all of the stuff that's going on in all of us all the time, the devastating effect that that has on our relationships, really, our relationship with God in the first instance, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with one another, our relationship with the world in which we find ourselves, all of it is all of it is damaged. All of those relationships are broken because of all of this stuff, which the Bible calls sin, that's going on in our lives. And, and no one really lays it out more candidly and articulately than James. And so last week we had a look at chapter 1. We were looking at all the trials that we face, trials that test us, trials that challenge us, circumstances that are difficult, situations that stretch us and make us miserable and uncomfortable. Um, things like how do we handle ourselves? How do we do life? How do we apply this thing called Christianity to our lives when our lives are going completely and utterly pear-shaped? I don't know, maybe you're in a relationship that's breaking down. Uh, you're in a marriage, maybe, that's broken down, that's breaking apart. It's just the, the relationship's just not working. You can't see how it's ever going to be restored. Maybe you're, um, you've fallen in love and that relationship is... is, is, is it's not going right. It's not going well. Uh, maybe you're longing to have a child, longing to have a baby, and you're, you just had a series of miscarriages. Maybe you, you, you've been to the doctors and you've been diagnosed with a, a life-threatening or a life-changing um, sickness, or you, your work environment is just brutal. So many, there are so many challenges and circumstances and difficulties that we are all facing all the time. And James is really kind of like, how does uh, Christianity, how does following Jesus, apply in these situations? How do we respond with all of this external pressure that we're all under all of the time? Because it's when we get squeezed, as we said last week, that that's one surefire way of finding out what's actually inside us. It's brutal, but it's only really when life is very, very challenging that we kind of find out who we are. When life is like going swimmingly, we're kind of all a bit clueless. And suddenly when like, everything gets really, really difficult, that's when we find out. It's like, oh, that's, 
That's inside me. Huh. Who knew? That's what I really believe. You know, that's, uh, that's what I actually hold dear to. So the passage we're going to look at today, uh, James is, is, is really talking about how do we handle ourselves? How, how are we going to carry ourselves? How do we conduct ourselves as followers of Jesus? And so, you know, he starts off by rattling our cages with, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. And we're all like, yeah, hey, go, James. What's next? And the next really is, so moving on from there, why don't we talk a little bit about what are you actually going to do with the stuff that's in your heart? What are you actually going to do about dealing with your stuff? And we're like, oh, like trials and that was hard enough. Like, I didn't really want to have to deal with my stuff as well. You know, we're only on chapter one. Like, there's five more chapters of this. You know, it's sort of not much joy and rapture. And really what James, I think, is wanting to know is, is are we actually going to face up to the things that we're finding difficult? Are we going to face up to the things that are in our lives? Are we going to get serious about being holy? Like we sing about it, we read about it, we talk about it, but are we actually going to get serious about being holy? Are we going to get serious as followers of Jesus about being pure and living pure lives? Are we going to get serious about, we talk about Jesus came that we might have life and live life to the full and abundant life. Are we actually going to get serious about living lives that are fully alive as followers of Jesus? And if so, how are we going to do all of that? And James says, if we're wanting to, um, if, if we're serious about wanting to do something about the, the stuff uh, that comes up, you know, the stuff that comes up that we just don't like. I mean, this last, I think since I started looking at James, I've found myself incredibly discouraged. Like, I don't know why. I can't, there's not like something I can pinpoint as like that thing, that situation discouraged me. But I blame James, and all people called James. But... Like, I just found myself, like, the last couple of weeks, really discouraged for some bizarre reason. And that's kind of okay. You know, it's like, all right. But what I've also noticed is that sort of out of that discouragement, there's just other stuff that's just been coming up. So, I've, like, I've been really grumpy, like, even more grumpy than usual. Um, I've not been very nice to be around, like, even less nice to be around, if that makes any sense. And just... I found myself saying things and speaking. Like, I, you know, I have trouble with the things that I say, and I'm like, not as kind as I should be and all those things. But like I found over the last week or so that I'll say something and go, Phew. like I hear myself saying, go, where did that come from? What do, you, what, do you, what do you say that for? What's that about? And it's like this stuff is just kind of coming up in me. And, and James is like challenging the Lord is challenging me through the reading of James and through the scriptures. Like, how are you actually going to deal with that stuff, Neil? What are you going to do about it? And there are three things that I think we're going to look at today. We're never going to get through it. But first of all, we need to be honest with ourselves. The second thing is that we need to be firm with our thoughts. And the third is we have to be serious about the scriptures. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so um, honest with ourselves, firm with our thoughts, and serious about the scriptures. Okay, let's have a look at James chapter 1, starting verse, verse 12. Blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
When tempted, remember we're talking off the back of considerate pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When tempted, verse 13, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Great. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Even greater. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. I think this, this verse, this is a paraphrase, this is me going now. Verse 17, I think it's fascinating that verse 17 and 18 come off the back of considerate pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And when he's talking about temptation and those things, when he goes on and he says, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Just something to bear in mind when we're facing difficult situations. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Note to self. Slow to speak. Note to self. Slow to become angry. Note to self. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Note to self. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Gotta love James. Okay, so, 15 minutes. Uh, honest with ourselves, verses 13. He, verse 13 is, you know, when we're being tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. It's, it's, this is all very, very clear here. It's saying, you know, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted by his own evil desire. You know, he's dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's full grown, leads to death. And you read this, and it's like, this is clear. This is crystal, crystal clear. This describes very articulately and brutally what kind of goes on in my mind and in my heart. I was... Um, I read this earlier on, I was just uh, this week, and I was just blown away by this. When each one is tempted, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, this picture of this des desire that comes up in our hearts and in our heads, and then literally we're dragged away and enticed. This picture of us being dragged away and enticed, and this desire that sort of stirs up in our hearts and our minds that we entertain and that we feast upon, it sort of gives birth. It, 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 
conceives. And the product of the conception is sin, and, and then sin that we continue to, to nurture and to feed and to fuel and to stroke and to pat and to grows up and becomes fully grown. And when it becomes fully grown, it leads to death. And you're reading this, and you're like, this is the scripture. This is the word of the Lord to us. And we need to allow, I need to allow the Spirit of God to minister this word to me. This is the sort of stuff that we need God to highlight, not to just glaze over and go, oh, yes, okay, well, I've read James. Reveal something to me, Father, through the Scriptures about who I am and who you've called me to be. This is the sort of stuff that we read, and if we're brave enough, allows us to go, uh-oh. Alert. Step away from the sin. You know, I think I've been playing with fire. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There's plenty of people who um, will say, you know, there's something sort of, there's something innate in us. It's just there. It just like pulls us like a, like a magnet. I'm just like attracted to all the wrong stuff, and I, you know, I stick to it, and it's, it's sort of like that siren call of these beautiful creatures that lure us with their wonderful song and their music and the sounds, and, and I suddenly find that I've actually been dashed on the rocks. Or it's the lotus eaters, and, and we're surrounded. We just lose ourselves in this narcotic flower, this fragrance, this aroma is so intoxicating that literally I just go into some drug-induced haze and fog, and I forget who I am. We forget who we are. We forget where we've come from. We forget where we're going. We forget who the Lord has called us to be. We forget who the Lord is, what he's made us for. And so what happens is we kind of like willingly and gladly surrender ourselves and we, we lose ourselves and we comfort ourselves and we medicate ourselves on stuff that like deep down somewhere we know that this is not good for us and yet for some reason we just keep injecting it into our veins like with kind of gay abandon. It's like, oh, just one more. <gasps> you know how many people in this church are struggling like on a daily basis, multiple daily basis with pornography? Like we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. We're all struggling with the same stuff. For all of us, it's called a different thing, right? That may not be your thing, but trust me, you've got a thing that you're just mainlining into your arteries just to help you get through the day. Um, some of you, it's sex. Sex outside marriage, inside marriage, all over the place. Wherever you can have it, as often as you can have it. Some of you, it's alcohol and drugs and all those sorts of things. But for so many of us, it's, it's, it's more subtle than that. It's that thing like of building ourselves up so that we can tear other people down. For so many people, it's like gossip. It's gossip and slander and just unkind things to say. I found myself this week, I, again, I think just out of this place of discouragement, I just found myself just saying things I just shouldn't have said out loud. It's like, it, it, in saying it out loud, there was something about it that, that was making me feel better about something that I wasn't feeling good about. So I 
I'd say stuff. And it's, it was just, was it necessary? No. Was it kind? No. Was it true? Maybe. I didn't need to say it. But I did because I just needed to feel better about myself or about something. There's plenty of people, I, I do this all the time, who just say, do you know what, I can't help myself. I can't. It's just the way I'm wired. It's part of my DNA. It's part of my psychological makeup. You know, it's what you get. If you've got someone who's ENTJ, then that's the way they're going to be. And you just need to sort of suck it up. And, you know, you're not a sinner. Actually, do you know what, Neil, I think you're a bit of a, I, I think you're a victim. Uh, you're a victim of circumstances beyond your control. You're defeated by overwhelming, uh, uh, you know, obstacles. It, it's pity I deserve, you know, not reproach. And James, in his own inimitable style, is saying, what a load of um, baloney. What a load of bull. What a load of bunkum. And lots of other bees that I shouldn't say. James is, is basically, because he's straight down the line, James is saying, I just couldn't help myself is no line of defense. We can help it. We can help ourselves. There is no such thing as the irresistible sin. If we're falling foul of sin in our lives and stuff that's causing us to sin, we need to be honest with ourselves and admit that that was my choice, that was my decision, that was my fault, and no one else's, least of all, God's. And this is where um, trials on the one hand and temptation is quite an important distinction to sort of make. And when we were looking last week at trials, Trials, these, these things are like external circumstances. There's an external challenge that we're facing that needs um, spiritual and moral resolve. Trials, um, they're actually often sort of value neutral. They're not necessarily intrinsically evil. Sometimes they are, but most times they're not necessarily intrinsically evil. They're just, they're just stuff that happens to us all, all the time. Temptation, temptation on the other hand, that's, it's like it's internal. It's like it's in us. Verse 14 says, each one is tempted when they are dragged away by what? By their own evil desire and enticed. Temptation isn't external. It's this internal response that we have, this inner excitement, this quickening of the heartbeat, the, 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 the eagerness to do something, to dabble with something, to play with something that we know is actually quite wrong. Now, don't get me wrong, temptation in and of itself is not sin, but it is a kind of push and a shove, in the, at least in the wrong direction. If we're, going to be, if we're going to be victorious over our stuff, we're going to have to be honest with ourselves and face up to the truth about the things that we are struggling with and dealing with. There are no excuses. There's no one else to blame. We all have to take responsibility for what we choose to do. I'm never going to get through this today. Um, Having said that, okay, this is really, really important for us to hear in the midst of our challenge and struggle, is that we need to remind ourselves that we have been empowered and equipped by the Spirit of God. And through Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors through him who strengthens us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Let's stop falling foul of the lie that says, that's who you are. This is all you're ever going to amount to. You're stuck in a rut. You're in a hole so deep you're never going to get out of it because that, that voice is that voice of condemnation we talked about a few weeks ago. It's, it's a lie from the pit of hell because it's not true about who you are in Christ. 
If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. When we come to Jesus Christ through his atoning work and sacrifice on the cross, we are born again. We get a new, like a full makeover. We get, we get a new heart. We get like a good heart. Like Ezekiel puts it like this. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. That's who is in us when we're in Christ. We no longer want to increasingly, we no longer want to do those things because it's just like, that's not who I am. That's who I was. I was that guy, but I'm not that guy anymore. I don't, I don't feel to do those things. I don't feel like I want to press into that. I, I feel actually like I'm moved to follow the Lord and the Lord's laws. That's who we are. That's the place that we operate from. Let's be a people who put down the old and take up the new. Let's start walking as God's people in the fullness of our inheritance as sons and daughters of the King. Ask yourself, are you a new creation? Are you living in that mindset of new creation or are you living out of the old self? Let's be honest with ourselves. Okay, moving on, I promise. Uh, be firm with your faults. Uh, have a look at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. James is encouraging us to take responsibility for our own actions and say, this is my problem. This is my stuff. There's a very active dimension to dealing with sin. And sometimes I think we see ourselves as mere bystanders in our own lives. You know, there can be no moral victory in our lives unless we learn to, like Nancy Reagan, like, just say no. Does anyone remember Nancy Reagan? <laughs> um, there's probably a Simon and Garfunkel song about that too. But I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. We have to learn to say no to certain things. This is just like old school. Oh, controversial. You know, we have to realize that um, that has to become part of our practice and routine. Basically, James is saying we have to learn to be hard on ourselves and firm with our thoughts. Verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. It's, it's pretty clear. It's like a picture of a man who's been down in the sewers and he's been sludging around in the sewers and when he comes up what he does is the first thing he does is he peels off his filthy overalls and just dumps them that's what we are to do we are to take off all of this rubbish that's stinking up our lives we get rid of all moral filth it's like the person cutting down all the brambles and the briars and the bindweed that's literally engulfing your heart He's saying, just cut it all off. Get rid of it all. James is saying, be firm with our thoughts. There's so much of our moral failure in our lives. It stems from a lack of self-discipline. You know, we, we put ourselves in situations where we know we're going to be tempted, and then what we do is we complain, usually at God, that the temptation is too great for us. It's like, why do we do that? You know, if you want to keep your hands out of the sweetie jar, don't go in the sweet shop. You know, we think that we're being tempted and how hard my life is. 
actually we're putting ourselves so often in the way of temptation. You know, we may not be able to help what we hear, um, but we can help what we listen to. We may not be able to help what we see, but we can help what we look at. You know, you may not be able to stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. Some of you, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, they're not going to nest in my hair. So I'm ahead of you on all of this, okay? So I'm like, I'm, that's why I, this is a voluntary thing. Uh, it's to keep the birds away at bay. Um, you know, sometimes I think we're like, we pray, you know, Lord, make me holy, but not yet. Not, not entirely. Like, make all of this holy, but all of these bits, I'm not like these. I will keep these. I'm going to keep these little dalliances in my life. We're not going to get anywhere with this life of following Jesus unless we're prepared to be uncompromising with the sin that um, we recognize to be within ourselves. Be firm with yourself, says James. Hebrews it says, it says like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And why are we throwing all of this stuff off? Why are we getting rid of all of this sin that so easily entangles? He goes on, so that we can run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's not going to be easy. Do not expect it to be easy. Do not expect not to have to exert some kind of self-discipline and self-control. The Bible is full of the language of struggle over and over and over again. Throughout the scriptures, you see words like battle and fight and race, and there's a reason for that. But never forget that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to make that fight successful. The Spirit of God has not been given to us to render the battle unnecessary shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. It is not the hot air balloon of faith that just lifts us effortlessly out of trouble and danger and across to some peaceful valley somewhere else. Be honest with yourself. Be firm with your thoughts. Okay, lastly, be serious about the scriptures. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, will be blessed in all that they do. Uh, so much of my life actually is on autopilot. It, it, it like astounds me. Um, I don't wear a watch, but like, how many times do we look at the clock or look at our phones and look at our watches and then 10 seconds later look again at our watches and our clocks and our phones because we looked at the thing but we didn't actually compute what time it was. This never happens in our household, God forbid, but I've heard some married couples, you know, people in relationships, they can have a conversation. And then like a few days later, one of the people in the relationship will say, don't you remember we talked about that the other day? You know, I told you that the other day. I told you that. This never happens in our Never. It would, oh, I, 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 but I've heard about it. I've heard about it. And um, I just want to reference, I just said that people feel included, uh, that I understand some of the struggles that some of you have in your relationship. But, you know, um, 
do you remember we had this conversation? It's like, I, no, we, we never had that conversation. Like, you never told me that we were having dinner with these people uh, uh, on Tuesday or whatever. Uh, and then you'll be gently reminded, you know, you definitely said, yes, darling, I've, I've, I've got the text from you that said, that sounds marvelous. And you're like, okay. Um, and yet some of us were blind that we never heard anything, knew nothing about it. I'm just saying, I think that happens, maybe. Because we're kind of on autopilot. I'm on autopilot. You know, some of you, you know, when, when I used to commute, commuters have this like, incredible gift whereby they can wake up, get dressed, eat breakfast, get on the train, get off the train, and not actually wake up until they sat in the desk, at the desk. <laughs> like, it's amazing, isn't it? You just have no idea how you got there. You suddenly, like, I've teleported out of my bedroom into the office. It's like, wow. And if you got dressed, that's like a bonus. Um, <laughs> So much of the stuff that we do is so routine, it's so habitual. We don't even engage our brains in it at all. What James is saying here is our study of the scriptures can also fall into that category. James is saying we treat our Bibles like someone who looks in the mirror you know, before they rush out the door. And, you know, again, I have no experience of this, but for some of you, you look in the mirror and your hair's all over the place, right? But you don't notice. You see it, but you don't see it. And so you, you arrive at work, you know, looking crazy. You know, I just look slick all the time. Um, some of you, you know, you like, I don't know, maybe you, you, you kind of look in the mirror and you, you don't really notice that actually your mascara is like around your ear and your lipstick's around over here or you haven't shaved. Like, we just look in the mirror and we don't actually look, look. We don't notice. The reason we're not looking in the mirror to check our appearance, we're just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. If we're going to get serious about the stuff that's in our lives. We have to be serious about this book. We have to be serious about the scriptures and about the moral challenge. This is not easy stuff. This is not comfortable. This is not lovely, soft, warm, fuzzy stuff. This is challenge from James. There is a moral imperative upon us to act and to respond in a certain way. It's not enough to hear a sermon every Sunday, amazing as they are. <laughs> uh, or, <laughs> terrible, you're just terrible. Terrible. Um, or to read a verse, like, you know, every day. Right, I've read all my bits, I've done all my, I've got a checked off Bible in a year for the day. I'm like only 700 days behind, but I've done it. I haven't got a clue what it said. I haven't got a clue. There's something about Deuteronomy. I don't know. Verse 22, we must do what it says. Like actually do something about it. We have to both study the Scriptures with intention, and we have to act upon what we read with intention. Otherwise, you know what? We are just deceiving ourselves. We are deluding ourselves. Uh, religion is, how does he describe it? Worthless. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, will be blessed. It already does. So, another hard-hitting James. They don't get any better, I'm afraid. 
but this is a wake-up call. This is a no more excuses. Like, be honest with yourself. And you know what? Be honest with yourself. And we need to find ways to be more honest with one another. We're, we are all going through the same stuff, right? We're all struggling with the same issues. It's daft that as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we keep all this stuff to ourselves as if, like, well, I don't have any struggle, right? I know, I know you do, but I personally, I don't. That's just what the enemy wants. He's trying to separate us in our, all of our relationships, disconnected even within, from admitting to ourselves that we're struggling and certainly disconnected from sharing with one another that we're struggling. There's an invitation to vulnerability. There's an invitation to honesty and openness. Be wise in how you share that. But can I encourage us all to be finding ways to get more real about the things that we're finding difficult? Okay, so no more excuses. Be honest with yourself. No more compromises. Be firm with your faults. Recognize where you're going wrong and then just be determined. Be intentional. Be proactive. Be firm to get rid of all of that stuff that is down the track killing you. And then let's get serious about the scriptures. Look the scriptures in the face. Invite the Spirit of God to convict us and to lead us into all truth and into all righteousness through the Word of God. He will do it. He's faithful. He's promised. And then let's start walking in the freedom that it brings. Why don't you stand and we'll minister to one another. We're going to have the band back.